the education of a disciple, and I think all of us understand we never stop learning. Uh, we're always learning from the Lord, from the Word of God, and uh, we should always, always understand that God has something more for us. Uh, certainly, uh, this, the character study that we're doing is Peter, and uh, it just seemed like every time Peter turned around, God was teaching him something brand new. Anybody else feel like that, that every time you turn around, God's teaching you something? And uh, I, I just think it's a wonderful thing. It's, it's a clear sign that you're one of his children if he is constantly teaching you something. And we're going to continue today in Matthew chapter 14, and we're going to begin in verse number 22. And if you either have your Bible or your notes there, you can follow along. The Bible says, straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. Now, to give you a little uh, reference point here, Jesus had just fed the multitudes of people that had followed him, and of course, showing that he is the all-sufficient one, that he can meet even the needs of a great crowd, and, and uh, it was a tremendous time. His disciples witnessed that, saw what was going on, but <clears throat> when, when they got to the end of that miracle, what does Jesus do? Well, he constrained them to get into a boat, to go out on the Sea of Galilee and go to the other side. And let's pick it up there where we left off. And the Bible says, And when he had sent the multitudes away, he, Jesus, went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening, evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. In, in the fourth watch of the night, and uh, they divide that up. Uh, they used to divide their night season uh, by watches. And of course, this is in the, in the dark of the night, the darkest time of the evening. The Bible says it was during that watch of the night, Jesus went unto them. Notice he didn't get into a boat and take a boat out there. He didn't get on a wave runner. Jesus walked out there to them. The Bible says he was walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. They cried out for fear, but straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. Now you look at this passage that we're looking at. Of course, Peter, like not only him, but the other disciples and like all of us today, Peter was in the school of the Lord's discipleship. Uh, he was a pupil. Uh, he was constantly learning something. And Peter, if you'd asked him when he became a disciple of the Lord, when he, when he left everything and began to follow the Lord, if you would have ever said to Peter, hey, there's going to come a day in your life because you're following the Lord that you're going to have the opportunity to step out of a boat on the Sea of Galilee and walk on water, Peter would have probably laughed in your face. Peter would have probably thought, yeah, right. Uh, that's just not going to happen. But it is something that did happen in his life. And 
Listen, it didn't happen without the storm. See, storms of life are something that we all face, but I have found in my life that here's what storms do. Storms will help us to either keep our focus or to recalibrate our focus. It's amazing sometimes, even here in South Florida, when they start talking about storms, how people start to think about if they've got a generator, do I, need, do I have gas? Uh, do I have batteries for my flashlights? See, we start to focus on things that otherwise we take for granted. And storms come into our lives and they help us to keep our focus. Now, listen, if there's one thing or one person that we need to make sure we're keeping our focus on, who would that person be? It'd be the Lord, right? And I think even as a Christian, sometimes we're guilty of, I've been saved for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, more. And I've been a Christian now so long that we kind of take our focus off of the Lord. Instead of keeping our focus where it belongs, and even Peter and the disciples, they were the same way. So here's what I see in the passages is that uh, Jesus is always with us. Everywhere we go, the Bible says, and lo, I am with you always. That means even in the storms. Let me say that again, because I know some of you have been through some storms. Some of you are going through some storms. That he's with us even during the times of storm. I don't know about you, but that brings great comfort to me. To know that I'm not alone, that he's there with me. You listen, if he can be with the Hebrew children that were cast into the burning, fiery furnace, he can be with you when you're going through your storm. God is ever-present in our lives. And Peter, in this passage, just like so many of us, myself included, Peter, it's interesting how his focus actually changed several times in this particular instance. Part of growing as a disciple is that you and I need to make sure that we're keeping our focus on the Lord even when the storms begin to swirl around us. And sometimes that's not easy. You know, I've had pe people say to me often, Pastor, you don't understand what I'm going through. I may not, but the Lord knows exactly what you're going through. And I want you to see this because notice, first of all, this morning, the Lord's foresight. The Lord's foresight. Remember, He is God. God knows everything, right? He knows everything about you and me. He knows everything about our lives. And, and when I look at this, I, I, honestly, the disciples, they were rejoicing in that mountaintop experience. I mean, they were probably still talking about it when they got on board that ship. Boy, I can't believe how many people Jesus fed with such little amount of food. I can't believe how, how uh, Jesus just continues to do things beyond human understanding. He does the miraculous. See, I, I find that mountaintop experiences, they're awesome. I mean, how many of you like it when you're on top of the mountain, right? But you know what I have found is, is that I actually learn more when I'm down in the valley. I learn more when I'm going through a storm. I mean, God has taught me so many things because what happens is, is that we tend to draw closer to him during those times of storms in our lives. And Jesus, you know, even though they were enjoying and relishing 
how wonderful this miracle was of his feeding of this great multitude of people, Jesus asked them to leave the place of blessing and he sends them out into a storm. Now think about that. They were in the place of blessing, but he sends them out onto the sea knowing that there was going to be a storm that comes. Now, a lot of times people think about that statement in in, in this passage and they think, well, why would God do that? You're missing the whole point. That's right. You're not going to learn the lesson unless you go out into the midst of the sea and you find yourself in the middle of that storm. They couldn't see the storm coming, but Jesus knew it was. Jonah couldn't see that whale, but the Lord knew it was going to come. And I want you to notice, first of all, we see he sent the the multitudes away. The Bible says he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go to the other side before unto Bethsaida while he sent the multitude away. He had had met the needs of the 5,000, but listen, now that, that, that episode was over with. And for Jesus, look here, he wasn't, Jesus didn't come to this earth to stay. He came to give his life. And so his ministry, many, many times people say this, the Lord's ministry was really only about three and a half years long. And I don't know how long God's going to give us to serve him, but I can tell you right now, God's given me many more years of ministry than Jesus had. Now, he was on this earth for about 33 and a half years, but, but the one thing that was always before Jesus was, is I need, I need to be doing my Father's will, and part of that was to be teaching his disciples, educating them, because the time was short and he was going to be gone. And he wanted to make sure that he got back to teaching them. He wanted himself, and you think about this, he wanted to, to get alone uh, for this next lesson. He, so he sends them out into the storm, and while they're out in the storm, what does Jesus do? He takes time to be alone with his Father. What a great example for us. It's, I, I enjoy Christian fellowship. I enjoy getting together. Uh, some of us men this morning, we had a word of prayer, and uh, we pray every Sunday morning, 845. Any of you men want to join us, we'd love to have you. And we prayed for the day. We prayed for services. We prayed for some in our church. But, you know, there are times in our lives, like I had this morning, where we just need to get along with God. And that's what Jesus did. The Bible says in Luke 6, it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. And when we do that, the results of the, the time alone, uh, sometimes what we do in, in private, according to the word of God, will be made known publicly. Look what it says here in, in Mark chapter 6 there, and you know it's Mark 6, 6. The Bible says, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, Pray to thy father, which is in secret. Now look at the rest of the verse. And it says, and thy father, which seeth thee in secret, shall reward thee how? Openly. Sometimes it is because of our prayer life. It is because our time alone with God that God will then reward us openly. Now again, we don't go into the closet to get from God, but God is so good to us that God oftentimes, we, we, the Bible says he daily loadeth us with benefits. Aren't you glad for the, for the gifts of God, the benefits of God? 
You know, I don't know anybody that, that's at work today in their life that doesn't enjoy some benefits, right? I was just telling one of the young men, I said, hey, listen, I said, I just saw in the news, and you probably did too, because the unemployment rate is so low that people that are hiring for holiday help, that they're actually having to offer them more money than they've had in the past, and they're offering benefits to some of them because they're short of workers. I said, if there ever was a great time to go get a part-time job or, or to, to find a different job, might be a good time right now. And that's the way God is in our lives. Now think about this. If God wants to bless us, then why would God send us out into the midst of a storm? Well, again, God's got something that he's trying to teach us. Remember, we're talking about the education of a disciple. Now, we might not, you know, a lot of times we want to go to, to some school. We want to study something where it's easy. We have all the answers. You know, how many of you liked when you were in school? Do you remember essay questions? Oh, my goodness. I remember when I was probably in my teens, I had this one teacher, and she was, she was an excellent teacher. And she gave it, she'd give us essay tests. And it'd be like four or five questions. So you know each one of them's worth 25 or 20 points apiece. And so I, I would write a book for every one of those. I mean, I'd write everything that I could think of. And then some. And I'd turn it in, I'd get it back a couple days later. One time she handed it back and she had one word wrote on the front of it. She wrote it on a slant all the way across in red ink. S... N-O-W. Couldn't fool the teacher, you know. And, and when I think about the, the, these lessons, listen, the Lord had so many things that he was trying to teach them. And one of the things that he was trying to teach them as well as us, I think you probably, most of us understand this, is that being in the Lord's will is not always smooth sailing. How many of you would agree with that? There's some bumps in the road, is there not? Sometimes the winds will blow. Sometimes storms will happen. And, and look, even though we've been through storms, we still, we still wonder and we still question, why is this happening? Why am I going through this? We're all guilty of, of asking those questions. I don't understand why this is happening. And it all began with him sending the multitudes away. And notice letter B, he sent the disciples into the storm. Now, one of the hardest things for believers to get a hold of, to understand, is this. That we can be in the center of God's will, and we can be, still be in the center of the storm. Sometimes that's the best place for us to be, because that's God's will for our lives is the Lord has brought this into my life. Why is it that we always think negatively about things? You know, God's not going to, he's not going to hurt us. He's not going to harm us. And the truth is he loves us. He loved us before we ever loved him. God's trying to show us something. It may be in our lives. And a lot of times we think, okay, I'm going through this. It must be something I did wrong. But it may be just the opposite. It may be that you didn't do anything wrong. That God's trying to work. If any man, the Bible says, if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. Sometimes I've, I've sat with Brother Ken, I don't know how many times. And I told Brother Ken, I said, I don't understand 
why you're going through what you're going through, but I just know this, God has a purpose. I said, there, there's, a, there's a purpose and a plan behind this. And he looks at me every time and he says, I know that, Pastor. You know, and it's, it's hard sometimes when we're going through these times of suffering. But somebody said, smooth seas do not make skillful sailors. Smooth seas. You know, we, we're guilty. We always want the life of ease. That's the flesh. The least uh, point of resistance. You know, I'm okay, just leave me alone. I told my wife, I got up yesterday, I'm a morning person. I drive the rest of my family crazy because I'm such a morning person. And I got up in the morning and I looked out my back window and the water in our pool, it wasn't moving a bit. It was like glass. Behind that, the lake wasn't moving a bit. It was like glass. But then later on in the day, I saw with the wind, a little bit of wind, and then I saw the, the water out there rippling. And sometimes those things happen in our lives. Look, the Lord is sending these storms in our lives to do what? To grow us. To grow us. You know, we all need to be stretched Remember, he hasn't forsaken us. When they went out onto that sea, the Lord was with his father. He was praying all night. But even though he was apart from them, remember, he's God. So he knew exactly where they were. Because he came to them in the fourth watch of the night. It was dark. He walked out on the sea straight to them. Look what Job says. He knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as what? gold. You know, you're never going to be gold for God unless you go through a storm. You know, you look at people and sometimes I'm always amazed, you know, because you know how much training and how much exertion and how much pain that athletes go through, especially those that compete in the Olympics. You know, look, if you ask them and they were truthful, you know which medal they want? They don't want the bronze. They don't want the silver. They want the what? They want the gold. Now, I'm always amazed because very humbly and graciously, they're glad to take a silver or a bronze if that's the best that they could do, but they're all wanting that gold medal. Folks, listen, I want to be gold for God, but that's not going to happen without storms. See, that's the price of discipleship, understanding that when we set out to follow him, when we left all to follow him, now again, look, it's, it's not bad news though, because you know, people say, well, that's why I don't want to be a Christian, because if being a Christian means I'm going to have to go through storms, then I'd just soon not be a Christian. Folks, I've seen the rain fall on the just and the unjust. I've seen unsaved people go through trials and storms just like saved people. The best, yeah, the best difference is we have the Lord. God's there with us. And, and, and when I think about one of these examples, I think about Paul in his life, because Paul somehow seemed to find blessings even during times of trial. Look at these verses here, and, and, and I'm reminded of what the Bible says, to count it all joy. You know, listen, while we're going through a storm, count it all joy? Yes, that's what the Bible says. Look at, look at this testimony God allowed Paul to write in 2 Corinthians 11 there in your notes. He says, are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool, I am more in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths oft. 
of the Jews five times, five times, folks, received I 40 stripes save one. You do the math. How many times he was beaten? And the Bible says here, as it goes on, thrice, he says, I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Thrice I suffered a shipwreck. A night and a day have I been in the deep. In journeyings often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils by mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, besides all those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily. Paul says, listen, he says, just caring for all the churches. My wife and I, we were sitting there, it might have been Friday or maybe it was yesterday, and we were just thinking about some of the folks in our church that are going through some very trying times. They're in the midst of the storm that God has them in. And, and we were thinking to ourselves, we have nothing to complain about. God is so good to us. But can I also say that while we're in the storm, God is so good to us? God's good all the time. Not just when you're on top of the mountain, but sometimes when you're right in the midst of the storm. Because remember, if that storm was brought into your life by God, then it's God's will, and you in that storm are in the center of God's will. I mean, you, you look at the testimony of Paul's life, even at the end of his life, he says these words, I am now ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have kept, the, I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Paul was talking about his life. He says, look, I've been through some storms. Now, I, I've never met Paul personally. Maybe someday when I get to heaven, maybe I'll get that opportunity. I don't know. But I will tell you this, that I don't think when you came into content, contact with Paul while he was on this earth, after all these beatings and stonings and shipwreck, I don't think if you walked up to Paul and said, how's it going? I don't think Paul would stand there for an hour and tell you about all his aches and pains and suffering. Say, how do you, how do you understand that, Pastor? Where do you get that from? Read the writings that Paul wrote about this matter of contentment and the joy that he had. Because this man understood what it was like to go through storms, but he understood what it was like that God was there with him. And I see a great testimony here, but all of this was in the Lord's foresight. Understand this morning that God knew what was going on. He knows what you need in your life. He knows what I need in my life. Look, we have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. Now, some of us, look here. What God has planned for us, aren't you glad God in his providence doesn't roll back and let us see what's coming ahead? He'd probably scare most of us to death. But understand that whatever it is, if it's ordered of the Lord, it's part of God's will for your life and mine. I see his foresight. Notice, secondly, I see Peter's focus because we all, a lot of times, we're focused on something. I've, I've said this many times and my, my children all know this to be true, that some people have long-range focus and some people have short-range. When my wife and I, when we drive a car, 
neither one of us like the way the other one drives. Anybody else like that with your spouse? <laughs> now, we've, we've just learned that both of us drive differently. And, and it, you know, when my wife drives, she drives to where she's always short range. She's always looking right in front of her. I'm just the opposite. I'm always looking way down the road. Now, I try to justify the way I drive because I try to tell her that while I'm looking way down the road, I can see everything that's in front of me. And she goes, yeah, right. You know, it doesn't really work, but that's what I've tried for years. But, you know, when you look at Peter's life and the focus, listen to this statement somebody made. What consumes your mind controls your life. What you think about. Let me use this example. I've known, and by the way, I'll use this as an example as a pastor to just warn you. I've known a lot of people that, that didn't intentionally set out to do this, but started to spend a lot of time on the internet. I, I, knew, I knew one guy that decided he was going to start doing a bunch of reading on the internet about, about Satan. dangerous. I've known other people that I knew a couple that was in our Sunday school class in California and the wife, she, her husband worked, he was making well enough money, she was able to stay at home, she was able to, to, to just pretty much take care of the house and they had one child and she just started spending a lot of time on the internet. She started reading things and she started getting all these weird ideas and, and everything in their relationship, everything in their home, everything in their lives, it all took a turn for the worse. She ended up moving out. They're, I don't know, they're probably divorced today. Folks, you have to be careful because again, what consumes your mind. See, for, look here, the battlefield for most people is right there. Because your life is dictated by what you fill your mind with. And that's, that was what was causing Peter to lose his focus in this situation. You know what Jesus said. He says, where your treasure is, there will your what be also? Your heart. God's interested in your heart. When you're focused on him, guess what? He has your heart. So we see here that God in his word, he, what does he do? He promises to guide us as we keep our focus on him. Psalm 32, 8, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go, and I will guide thee. God says, I will guide thee with mine eye. If we don't seek the Lord's face, and, and that's what the Bible tells us every day in our Bible reading, our prayer time, if we don't seek the Lord's face, guess what we're not going to see? We're not going to see the Lord's eyes. Now, physically, I've never seen the Lord's eyes. You ever try to talk to somebody, and I'm, I'm a big advocate at this. If somebody's not looking at me, in my mind, they're not listening to me. My dad used to say this to me all the time. Look at me, boy. I didn't want to look at him. Because I knew that if he wanted me to look at him, he's, he was serious. He meant business. 
And, and a lot of times what the Lord was trying to do with Peter and with the other disciples is the same thing I tried to get my kids to do was look at my eyes. I, I don't think any transmission, email, text message will ever, ever, ever take the place of one-on-one, face-to-face. Now, again, they're great tools. But there's just something about it. That's why people say, well, you know, I just don't know about this door-to-door soul winning and, and outreach. People need to see that you're a real person. I talked to the, these people. We were knocking doors. My wife and I, we were on the street yesterday, and we were going down the street, and I saw uh, some folks outside, and they had a pickup truck on their driveway, and they were, they were just loading up this stuff in the back of this pickup truck. And everything they were wearing and everything they were loading in this truck all said University of Miami on it. Every last bit of it. Hurricane hats, this, you know. And I walked up and I said, you know, I was kind of joking around. I said, you guys going to see the Seminoles? <laughs> Boy, they all turned around. They're like, what? And I said, uh, man, you guys are, I said, you guys are going tailgating, aren't they? And they said, oh, yeah, we are. We're, you know. And, and, and I was talking to him, and, and, uh, and, and so I gave one of the men, and it was, he, he was kind to me, but I, I gave him a, one of our, our tracks and gave him an invitation, talked to him for a little bit, and he took it. He, he, you know, he just said, okay, thank you. And, uh, and so I just kind of stood there and, and talked to him a little bit because you know, a lot of times I think people think that Christians just are not real people. You know? and, uh, and so I was talking to him. I was standing there. And one of the other ladies comes walking up and she says to me, she goes, can I, I know you gave him, can I have one of those? And I said, sure. So I I went to hand it to her, but her hands were full. And she's going like this. (laughs) That's the first time I ever put a track in someone's mouth. (laughs) She closed her teeth on it, you know, and then she put her stuff down and then she took it out of her mouth and she said this to me. She said, we're actually looking for a church right now. And the next words out of her mouth were, we've been burned by a couple churches. And I looked at her, and I, I, a lot of times, I, maybe I should do it more, I, I just said to her, I said, well, ma'am, I said, I'm the pastor of our church. And she kind of, now you know why? Because pastors don't go out into the community. Pastors sit in their offices. Pastors play golf. She's like, she kind of looks at me. I said, ma'am, if you come to our church, I promise you, you will not get burned. Now, she took the invitation. Maybe they'll show up. Miami won yesterday. Maybe they'll be in a good mood if they show up. (laughs) But, folks, listen. Look at this. First of all, Peter focused on the Lord. The Bible says here that at first they were afraid. They thought they were gonna, the ship was going to go down. Water was coming in. They, they thought they were going to drown. They saw a, what they thought was a spirit approaching them on the sea. Uh, and, and Peter and his disciples, then what happens? Their focus changed. Why? Because they heard a familiar voice. The voice of God. I've never audibly heard it, but I'm going to tell you, just like coming here to 
South Florida coming here to Bible Baptist Church. It was the voice of God that said, this is the place. People ask me, well, how do you know? You just know. When the Lord speaks, when God gives you peace, and that's what he did here. I mean, God doesn't want us to be fearful. The Bible says he hasn't given us the spirit of fear. God doesn't want us to be afraid. He didn't want them to be afraid. And so what does Peter do? Peter speaks up and he says, Lord, if that's really you, he says, bid me, allow me to come out there and walk with you. I love his spirit and attitude. I mean, none of the other disciples said, hey, we want to go water walking too. They all just stayed in the boat. You think about it, 12 disciples, one out of 12. I want to, now remember, it was during the storm he asked to get out of the boat, right? Am I being true to the Bible? While you're in the middle of the storm, if your focus is on the Lord, even God will allow you to do something miraculous. None of the other disciples ever could say, hey, I walked on water. Only Peter had that on his resume. I've told Brother Kenny, I said, your resume has grown immensely since I've been here. He's, he's now a foam cutter outer. I mean, every, every week, Brother Kenny has something else he can add to his resume. It's quite impressive. But I can tell you one thing Brother Kenny will never have on his resume, that he walked on water. None of us will either. But Peter focused on the Lord. Regardless of the storm, Peter knew the Lord was there. Look at Isaiah said, When the poor and needy seek water, and there is none, and their tongue faileth for thirst, I, the Lord, will hear them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. While you're going through the storm, keep your focus on the Lord. And that's what Peter did. But notice letter B. Remember how his focus, remember I told you, changes a couple times here in this passage? Look what happens next. He focused then on the wind and the waves. He saw the wind was boisterous. And he sees the waves crashing around. And, and it, this was after his tremendous step of faith. It, it, you know, he, he leaves the security of the ship to go to Jesus. But he had a change of focus. You know, that's what happens. Listen to me. You're going through your storm and you realize that God is in it, and then something happens. And all of a sudden, instead of focusing on the Lord now, you're focusing on all the circumstances in your life. What's happening around you, the winds and the waves in your life. Again, what is God trying to do? He's trying to grow us, mature us. How does he do it? Through the storms. I got an email this week from Gabriel Smith. I hope you're praying for the Smiths. They they haven't been here for probably about a year. I, I think one time in a year. And he emails me often. We've been over to their house. And Brother Smith, I, I was going to bring the email in and read it. But he was, telling, he was telling me in the email, he says, I've been going through the immunizations. He said, I needed a, I needed a host so that I could be tested and, and through the immunizations. And so his wife intentionally got the flu so that he could be tested. That's true love. And he told me at the end of the email, he says, everything is good because God is good. Going through all that, 
He says, he says, we're looking forward to being with our church soon. I look forward to the day that they walk through those doors. He understands. He's kept his focus on the Lord. The Bible says, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruits of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. How many of you think to yourselves, listen, the Bible says bodily exercise profiteth little, right? You can tell, just look at me, right? But here's the thing is, how many of you are willing to be exercised by a storm in your life? But remember, afterwards, bring, God brings fruit into your life. God uses that. And so notice Peter's focus, and then number three, because of that, we see the disciples' faith. The Lord has the ability to meet and overcome any threat in their lives. He, he can overcome anything in our lives. Look what Paul wrote in Romans 8. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, read the rest of that. Yeah. If you're saved this morning, guess whose side you're on? The Lord's side. You remember when you were in school, maybe it didn't happen to you, where you go to gym class and they were dividing up teams for like dodgeball and you were like one of the last people picked. Maybe you were one of the first. I was one of the last, you know. It was always nice to be on the winning side. Guess what? We're on the winning side. We're on the Lord's side. And so here's a gr couple great things that happened. Notice Peter was rescued. He cries out to the Lord. Guess what Jesus does? He rescues him. He reached out to him, Psalm 34, this poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all, all his troubles. The Lord will save you out of anything you're going through. Peter knew he couldn't handle the winds and the waves. It was too much for him. But when you, when you and I get to the place where we come to the end of ourselves, that's when the Lord is there. The, I love the word Jesus immediately reached out for him. See, the Lord's not going to make, he's not going to make you go down under the water and then pull you up out. He's going to be there for you immediately. Uh, when we're in God's hand, we'll never be dropped. We'll never be let go. I, one of the verses, a couple of verses I share with people when I talk to them about eternal life is, I, the Bible says in John 10, I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Never. If God saved you, You'll never perish. And I love the, the, the uh, emphasis here. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. That's why we say a lot of times in, in the words you don't find in the Bible, but you find the principle, once saved, always saved. Because we don't save ourselves. Guess what? Peter didn't save himself that day. The Lord saved him. The Lord rescued him. Notice, secondly, the disciples were relieved because when, when, when Jesus entered into the boat, you read the passage, what happened? The storm ceased. The wind stopped blowing. The sea became glass. Remember, it's not always smooth sailing. But see, they had, they had learned a lesson. They had seen what God was doing. And once they realized it was the Lord, they were no longer afraid they, they learned if you follow the Lord's directions, then you would safely reach your destination. Let me say that again. If you follow the Lord's direction. Well, I was reading through the book of Leviticus this morning. So many times, 
God's giving instructions. And if, if Israel would have just followed his directions, they would have safely reached their destination. All that they went through, and all you and I go through, you know why we go through it sometimes? Because we don't follow his directions. And that's what we need to do. Look at the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding, and in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. I want the Lord to direct my paths. And look, the folks, the disciples that were with him, they were relieved because the storm ended. And then notice thirdly here, the disciples were reverent. The disciples were reverent. The Bible says in verse number 33 that they began to worship the Lord. Isn't that interesting? They just went through a storm, and what are they doing now? Worshiping. They're worshiping the Lord. And because you and I know who the Lord is, we ought to be inspired to worship the Lord. This familiar passage in John 4, where Jesus is dealing with this individual, and the Bible says, The hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in what? Spirit and in truth. If you want to be a true worshiper, worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. And the Bible says that they which worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. See, worshiping the Lord is demonstrated throughout the word of God. And Peter's lesson that he learned here in the disciples was we need to make sure we keep our focus on the Lord. It's so easy, isn't it, to get distracted. It's so easy. A lot of times I can see it whenever I'm uh, speaking in, in church and teaching in class, somebody's phone, you know, one of the worst things you can do is carry your cell phone with you to church. Leave it in your car. You know, because here's, listen, God wants to get your attention. And oftentimes I see people and I'll see them look down. I don't understand this younger generation. Somehow they can leave their phone in their pocket and text. I'm serious. I'm serious. They are that, I don't want to use the word talented. They, they are that addicted. <laughs> but you know, listen, why do we ask our teenagers when they go to camp to leave their cell phones? Because we want them to spend a week alone with God to get their focus. And I hope, listen, I hope that your focus, even if you're in the storm, I hope your focus is on the Lord. And if not, ask the Lord. I went and had a scary thing in my age, go to the eye doctor. I just got some new glasses. My daughter came home. She went, whoa, dad, your glasses are thick. Always makes you feel good, you know. And I just looked at her like, your day's coming. Your day's coming. I want to be focused on the Lord. How about you? Amen. Yeah, amen. Well, Lord bless you. Thank you for being in Sunday school this morning. We'll get started here in about uh, 10, 15 minutes.